This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany, and this is episode 15. What is it? Royalty. <laughs> Sorry, I got sidetracked. That's my dude in the attic. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, royalty, yeah. And it's funny because we picked our topics a long time ago. Yeah. Like these, the ones that we're doing now, the beginning of our list was planned so long ago. So Amanda texted me and said, <laughs> so when we said royalty, what exactly were we talking about? I had no clue because that's all it said was royal- royalty. I'm like, is it murders, scandals, crimes? Like what? All of the above. There's, there's so many. Yeah. So that's what she said. And Murder. Like, oh, scandals. Okay. Mysteries. <laughs> yes. Well, I found it all. Me too. Yes. <laughs> Y'all, this, this is a... A good one. This is going to be an interesting episode. Lots of gossipy stuff. So, we'll have a lot of pictures. Yeah. I got lots of good ones. You, you got a lot. Um, So, make sure you are following us on social media. Mm-hmm. On Facebook at Oddities and Curiosities Podcast. Mm-hmm. And Instagram at Oddities and Curiosities Pod. Yeah. Ah, look, I remembered. But, um... Yeah, so go give us a follow so you can see all the pictures from the episodes. Yeah, yeah. You kind of want to. You should. Yeah. It's a thing. It is a thing. You know what else is a thing? Hump day. Hump day treats. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wednesday, y'all. It is Wednesday. So, okay, I I did a theme thing again. (laughs) I like the themes. (laughs) I'm really getting into it. Y'all are going to love my little photo props this week. (laughs) okay so um i stuck with the royalty theme and i got us some cute little fruit tarts from la madeleine's i love la madeleine's oh my god they're so good Mm -hmm. uh they're over in shreveport on fern avenue and they have oh my gosh like the best bakery pastries and little bread brunch things sandwiches they have such good sandwiches (sighs) all of all of it is really really good and and they uh deliver through doordash yes yeah i reluctantly found that out um (laughs) (laughs) it's not gonna be good and then i tried googling like royal wines and all that kind of stuff and it it was a bunch of bullshit but i did find out that the current queen of england actually started her own wine and she really loves sparkling wines, and the rest of the royal family likes brutes and stuff. So I got Martini and Rossi's sparkling wine. Yay! Yeah, I used to drink this a lot. We're gonna be fancy, y'all. Yeah. So are we? Are we gonna pop this one open? Yeah. We're actually opening it now. Yeah, do it. Oh my god, I don't know if I can. It's been sitting here for a long time. It's coming. It's <laughs> <laughs> Don't have me laugh. I can't grip it. 
calm down. It's not like I'm interrupting your swallow or anything. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yes, queen. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> was it good for you? <laughs> I can't with you. Somebody needs to come get her. Oh, she's dancing like a stripper. It's a thing. It's a song. I don't know this song. It's it's my another of my TikTok curses. Oh, my stars. Yeah, I'm going to get up and pour this for Brittany now. Yes, bitch. Okay. You want a lot? Yes, Brittany size glass, please. Okay. What's going to be the whole bottle? Okay, don't give me the whole bottle. There we go. That's acceptable. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Let's sip. Okay, and back. Yes, let's sip. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so lovely. Isn't it good? Yes. When I said oh. cheers, I was saying it in my uh, Cameron Diaz voice from The Sweetest Thing. <gasps> yeah, that's yes. where mine was from. Oh, yay! <laughs> But I love when they're at the bar and that dude sends them drinks and they're like, Charles. I love it. I love a lot of things out of that movie. Oh my God. It's so good. The whole thing. I love it a lot. But anywho, I am taking on kind of a whale of a tail. <laughs> that was so lame. <laughs> cheesy is okay. Yeah. That was big cheesy. Um, so anyway, I'm, my story is on the Romanovs. Um, and if any of y'all watched Anastasia as a child, this is the true story that inspired that, that children's animated movie, Anastasia. Okay. Adding to the movie list. I have not seen that in a very long time. Uh, me neither. But just going to give you all a heads up in the very beginning, I'm going to go um, a little quickly and I don't have a lot of pictures. Well, I don't have any pictures for the very beginning. I wanted to go ahead and give some background and history. Um, I just thought it was important to note just how far back this lineage goes before I get to my actual story. So there's a lot of Russian names in here. I don't know how to say them. Mm. Don't come at me if I say it wrong. Nope. Doing my best. I'm here for it. I'm just a Louisiana girl trying to pronounce Russian names. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It almost sounded like a country song. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Okay. So, the House of Romanov was the reigning imperial house of Russia from 1613 to 1917. OMG, that's a long time. Wow. They achieved prominence after the Tsarina... I know. What a word, well, right? Okay. <laughs> After the Tsarina Anastasia Romanova was married to the first Tsar of Russia, Ivan the Terrible. Oh. You will also notice in this story, a lot of the names are reused. Okay. Royal people do that. They name their kids after family I know, members. Get, and, I mean, look at all the Georges and King Charles. I know. And good Lord. I can't keep up. So this Anastasia isn't the... The big part of our story. This Anastasia is, you know, another one. This is the first one. Okay. So, the family fortunes soared when Anastasia married Ivan the, I'm terrible at Roman numerals, fourth? Because the V is five, right? Yeah. And there's a one in front of it. it. Yeah, so it's a fourth. So it's the fourth. Okay. (laughs) Everything's fine, We've got this. It's 
totally fine. It's way under control. <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah. So the family fortune soared when Anastasia married Ivan the Fourth, the Grand Prince of Moscow, in February 1547. Since her husband had assumed the title of Czar in January 1547, she was crowned the first Tsarist- Tsaritsa. I, I want to say Zarista because it looks like Barista, but I, that's not how it's spelled. Zaritza. There you go. That, yeah. Okay. Of Russia. Her mysterious death in 1560 changed Ivan's character for the worse, hence the nickname Ivan the Terrible. Mm. Suspecting the boyars of having poisoned his beloved, and boyars are like a step under princes. They're like dukes, I guess. Yeah. Tsar Ivan started a reign of terror against them. Among his children by Anastasia, the oldest, Ivan, was murdered by the Tsar during an argument. So, Ivan the Terrible got pissed at his oldest son Damn. and killed him. The younger son, Theodore, not Theodore, Theodore, Theodore. Yeah, okay. inherited the throne after his father's death in 1584. So, throughout Theodore's reign, uh, between 1584 to 1598, the Tsar's brother-in-law, Boris Gudinov, and his Romanov cousins contested the de facto rule of Russia. Upon the death of childless Fyodor, the 700-year-old line came to an end. After a long struggle, the party of Boris Gudinov prevailed over the Romanovs, and Gudinov was elected as Tsar in 1598. Damn. Gudinov's revenge on the Romanovs was terrible, all the family and its relations were deported to remote corners of the Russian North and Ural Mountains, where most of them died of hunger or in chains. So he was trying to eliminate the Romanovs. Yeah. The family's leader, Fyodor. I don't. Nikititich. <laughs> uh, that's probably it. I, I mean, it's it I now. like it. Romanov was exiled to a monastery and forced to take monastic vows with the name Philaret. So they changed his name. There's a lot of name changing in here, too. I don't expect y'all to keep up. Okay. Thank God. There will not be a quiz. <laughs> right? Is Yet. It? Damn it. Okay. <laughs> the Romanov's fortunes again changed dramatically with the fall of the Gudinov dynasty in June 1605. So the Romanovs will prevail again. Nice. As a former leader of the anti-Gudinov party and cousin of the last legitimate czar, Filaret Romanov's recognition was sought by several imposters who attempted to claim the legacy and throne during the time of troubles. After being offered the Russian crown, Filaret's, and remember, he was the czar that Gudinov overran and sent right. him to the monastery. Okay. Thank so, you. So, <laughs> yeah. Filaret's 16-year-old son, Mikhail Romanov, then living at the Ipetiv, Ipetiv Monastery of Kostroma. Okay. I wish I knew Russian. Me too. Burst into tears of fear and despair. He was finally <laughs> persuaded. I'd be, I'd burst into tears I mean, too if no, I've been I'm living in a monastery my whole life. And they're like, by the way, it's your turn to rule Russia. Uh. Yeah. Uh, he was finally persuaded to accept the throne by his mother, Sinia Ivanova Shostova. I feel for you <laughs> so much right now. <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> who blessed him with the holy image of Our Lady of St. Theodore. 
Feeling how insecure his throne was, Mikhail attempted to emphasize his ties with the last czars and sought advice on every important issue. This strategy proved successful. The early Romanovs were generally accepted by the population as in-laws of Ivan the Terrible and viewed as innocent martyrs of Gudinov's wrath. So, in All a right. nutshell, real quick. The Romanovs ruled. Okay. The Gudinovs took over, tried to kill off the Romanovs, but they couldn't. Okay. The Romanovs came back to power and are prevailing. The people loved them because they were martyrs of the evil Gudinov. Okay, okay. The Romanovs are back on top. I got it. My point in putting all that in there was so y'all knew that it wasn't smooth sailing this whole time for the Romanovs. Like, they had to work hard to keep their family name in power. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, Mikhail was succeeded by his only son, Alexei, who steered the country quietly through numerous troubles. Upon Alexei's death, there was a period of dynastic struggle between his children by his first wife and his son by his second wife, the future Peter the Great. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> We'd have been here for a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Peter ruled from 1682 until his death in 1725. In numerous successful wars, he expanded the Tsardom into a huge empire that became a major European power. So, he successfully ruled Russia in his time and helped them grow. That's what we're getting at there. Great. Uh, new dynastic struggles followed the death of Peter, his only son to survive into adulthood. Zarevich Alexei did not support Peter's modernization of Russia. He had previously been arrested and died in prison shortly thereafter. Near well the, then. Yeah. I cut out a lot of stuff. I was trying to wrap this up, guys. No, I like it. Near the end of his life, Peter managed to alter the succession tradition of male heirs, allowing him to choose his heir. Oh. <laughs> this guy, his son, was arrested, died in prison, and he had no other heirs. So he just changed the tradition of male heirs so he could choose one since he didn't have another child to pass it on to. So power then passed into the hands of his second wife, Empress Catherine, who ruled until her death in 1727. Peter II, the son of Tsarevich Alexei, took the throne but died in 1730, ending the Romanov male line. Well, damn. He was succeeded by Anna I, daughter of Peter the Great's half-brother and co-ruler, Ivan V. Before she died in 1740, the Empress declared that her grandnephew, Ivan VI, should succeed her. Look at you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Roman numerals. Two in a row. <laughs> This was an attempt to secure the line of her father while excluding descendants of Peter the Great from inheriting the throne. So she was trying to steer it back to hardcore Romanov. Ivan VI was only a one-year-old infant at the time of his succession to the throne. And his parents, Grand Duchess Anna Leopoldovna and Duke Anthony Ulrich of Brunswick, the ruling regent, were hated for their German counselors and relations. So they didn't like that this family was connected to Germany. Okay. Shortly after Empress Anna's death, Elizabeth Petrovna, a legitimized daughter of Peter I, managed to gain the favor of the populace and dethroned Ivan VI in a coup d'etat supported by... Huh. Y'all. <laughs> supported by the Priobrazinski Regiment and the ambassadors of France and Sweden. Ivan VI and his parents died in prison many years later. So the baby 
and his parents didn't rule for very long because the daughter of Peter the First managed to gain favor of the people. Okay. So I love your little recaps. <laughs> I know I'm reading so fast and there's so many big words and yeah. I'm here for it. I'll allow it. I've read it like four times and that's the only reason why I know what's happening. Okay. The Holstein Gortorps. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's such a funny word. Why is the it so Holstein Gortorps of Russia retained the Romanov surname, emphasizing their descent from Peter the Great through Anna Petrovna, Peter the First's oldest daughter by a second wife. Okay. If you're taking notes. Shit. <laughs> for the quiz. Oh, I've got I've got it right here in front of me. I don't need to take notes. It's I'm not open cheat. book. Oh. It's not open book. In 1742, Empress Elizabeth of Russia brought Anna's son, her nephew Peter, to St. Petersburg and proclaimed him her heir. In time, she married him off to a German princess, Sophia of Anhalt Zerbst. Nailed it. Yeah. In 1762, shortly after the death of Empress Elizabeth, Sophia, who had taken the Russian name Catherine upon her marriage. Yeah, these people change their names all the time. Why? Oh, my God. Um, anyway, took the name Catherine upon her marriage, overthrew her unpopular husband with the aid of her lover, Grigory Orlov. <laughs> <laughs> she reigned as Catherine the Great. Oh, Catherine's son. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Catherine's son, Paul I, who succeeded his mother in 1796, was particularly proud to be a great-grandson of Peter the Great, although his mother's memoirs arguably insinuate that Paul's natural father was, in fact, her lover, Sergei Saltikov. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know. That's somebody's for real's name. <laughs> Rather than her husband, Peter. So there's some scandal. Yeah. There's lots of scandal already. These slutty, slutty, slutty Russians. Oh, my God. No offense if you're Russian. Mm -mm. Painfully aware of the hazards resulting from battles of succession, Paul decreed house laws for the Romanovs, the so-called Pauline laws, among the strictest in Europe, which established semi-salic primogeniture. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. <laughs> As the rule of succession to the throne, which allows women to succeed only at the extinction of all male descendants in that male line. So, it's a law that says women can only rule if all the boys are gone. Oh. Patriarchy. Uh. Another law was requiring orthodox faith for the monarch and dynasts. And for the consorts of the monarchs and their near heirs. So, you had to be of orthodox faith... If you were the monarch or his family or his friends, you okay. had to be orthodox. Okay. That was the rules. Later, Alexander I added the requirement that consorts of all Russian dynasts in the male line had to be of equal birth. So they had to be royalty too, pretty much. Okay. You can't go gallivanting with yeah. people under your station. That makes sense. But we know they all did. Yeah. So, Paul I was murdered in his palace in St. Petersburg in 1801. Alexander I succeeded him on the throne and later died without leaving a son. Well, shit. His brother, Crown Nicholas I, succeeded him on the throne. 
The succession was far from smooth, however, as hundreds of troops took the oath of allegiance to Nicholas's elder brother, Constantine Pavlovich, who, unbeknownst to them, had renounced his claim to the throne in 1822 following his marriage. So he married under his station, uh-huh. in turn denouncing his throne. And they didn't know that? The people didn't. The family did. The people didn't know that. Okay. They didn't know that he gave up his throne because he married under a station. <laughs> Hello. The confusion combined. Well, they didn't have Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> the confusion combined with opposition to Nicholas's accession led to a revolt. Nicholas I fathered four sons, educating them for the prospect of ruling Russia and for military careers. Okay. We're starting to get closer to our time period here. So this stuff has real significance to the story. Alexander II, son of Nicholas I, became the next Russian emperor in 1855 in the midst of the Crimean War. While Alexander considered it his charge to maintain peace in Europe and Russia, he believed only a strong Russian military could keep the peace. By developing the army, giving some freedom to Finland, and freeing serfs in 1861, he gained much popular support. Because, why not? Yeah. Get it, dude. Sounds like a good guy. Despite his popularity, however, his family life began to unravel by the mid-1860s. In 1864, his eldest son and heir, Zarevich Nicholas, died suddenly. His wife, Empress Maria Alexandrovna, who suffered from tuberculosis, spent much of her time abroad. Alexander eventually turned to a mistress, Princess Catherine Dolgoruki. Dolgoruki. (laughs) Um, so we fixing to get into some more scandal here, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Immediately following the death of his wife in 1880, he contracted a morganatic marriage. That's the marriage between people of unequal social rank. So he married below his station. Okay. His legitimization of their children and rumors that he was contemplating crowning his new wife as empress caused tension within the dynasty. Mm-hmm. In particular, the Grand Duchesses were scandalized at the prospect of deferring to a woman who had borne Alexander several children during his wife's lifetime. So he has kids with his wife and kids with his mistress, and they're pretty close in age. Uh, yeah. But before Princess Catherine could be elevated in rank, in March of 1881, Alexander was assassinated by a handmade bomb. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, well, Alexander II was succeeded by his son, Alexander III. This czar is the second to last Romanov emperor and was responsible for conservative reforms in Russia. Not expected to inherit the throne, he was educated in matters of state only after the death of his older brother, Nicholas. So his older brother, Nicholas, was supposed to be the heir but he died, and so now all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got to teach you stuff. <laughs> he was one of those that was just yeah. all gallivanting around. <laughs> yep. Lack of diplomatic training may have influenced his politics, as well as those of his son, Nicholas II, who our story is about. Mm. Alexander III was physically impressive, being not only tall, 6'4", according to some sources, but of large physique and considerable strength. His beard hearkened back to the likeness of czars of old. <laughs> yeah. 
I had like that line y'all comes from Wikipedia <laughs> and I had to keep it in there exactly how it was written because oh my god I know <laughs> it's so good and the same with the rest of it I'm going to start that sentence over again so y'all can get the full effect of this sentence that I had to leave in okay. here okay his beard hearkened back to the likeness of czars of old, contributing to an aura of brusque authority, awe-inspiring to some, alienating to others. Sounds like my kind of man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, who is writing this? I don't know. That was <laughs> well done. Get it, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Alexander had inherited not only his dead brother's position as Zarevic, but also his brother's Danish fiance, Princess Dagmar. So apparently when his brother died, they were like, okay, here's your wife. Here's your throne. Let's get it. Taking the name Maria Fyodorovna. So she changed her name too. Upon her conversion to orthodoxy. She was the daughter of King Christian the Ninth. Is that right? Yeah. I think it's right. We're going with the Ninth. Okay. And the sister of the future kings Frederick the Eighth of Denmark and George the First of Greece, as well as Britain's Queen Alexander, Alexandra, Queen Alexandra, consort of Edward the Seventh. So everybody in her family, immediate family, is royal. That's what that just said. Jesus. Despite contrasting natures and backgrounds, the marriage was considered harmonious, producing six children and acquiring for Alexander the reputation of being the first czar not known to take mistresses. Oh my goodness, somebody was successful. I they know. They had kids and they stayed alive and didn't have mistresses. Yes, yeah, so that's that's Alexander, the father of Nicholas II, who the meat and potatoes of our story is about. Okay. So his eldest son, Nicholas, became emperor when Alexander III's death due to kidney disease at age 49 in November 1894. Mm. When Nicholas Romanov was crowned czar of Russia, he seemed bewildered. And this next little quote here is from uh, HistoryChannel.com. Okay. Quote, what is going to happen to me, to all of Russia? End quote. (laughs) He asked an advisor when he assumed the throne. Quote, I am not prepared to be czar. I never even wanted to become one. End quote. I feel you, bruh. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't want an adult. Just a week after the funeral, Nicholas married his fiance Alex of Hesse-Darmstadt, a favorite grandchild of Queen Victoria of the United Kingdom. So I have my first picture. Yeah. If you want to go to the notes. Yes, I do. It says Tsar Nicholas II and uh, Alexandra. This is their coronation shortly after they got married. Holy shit. Okay. Those robes are bedazzled. (laughs) A lot. Yes. I like it. Yeah. So this was their fancy coronation attire. Uh, Get it, Quinn. Right. Though a kind-hearted man, he tended to leave intact his father's harsh policies. For her part, the shy Alex, who took the name, so she changed her name too, mm. Alexandra Fyodorovna, that's, I'm not saying that right, what, what? Fyodorovna, there we go, became a devout convert to orthodoxy as well as a devoted wife to Nicholas and mother to their five children, yet avoided many of the social duties traditional for Russia's arenas. Can I just yeah. say, I love the fact that they're called Tsarinas. <laughs> yes. 
I don't know. I just love I it. I do love that. It's like ballerina. So it's dainty. Ballerina. So it sounds daintier. And it know. almost looks like the word tiara. <laughs> I know. It's great. I love it. So she was seen. So wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, so wait. So she got all the title, but then she didn't have to do anything. Well, she was supposed to do stuff. That's why people don't like her. Yeah. Uh, seen as distant and severe, unfavorable comparisons were drawn between her and her popular mother-in-law, Maria. So Nicholas's mom. Yeah, I can see so that. People didn't like her very much. I think it's just because she was British and she didn't know what the fuck these Russian people were doing. Possibly. Yeah. So the roots of the Romanov family's murder can be found in the earliest days of Nicholas's reign. The eldest son of Emperor Alexander III, Nicholas, was his father's designated heir. But Alexander did not adequately prepare his son to rule a Russia that was racked with political turmoil. Well, that's understandable. He wasn't prepared either, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A strict autocrat, Alexander believed that a czar had to rule with an iron fist. Mm. He forbade anyone within the Russian Empire to speak non-Russian languages, even those in places like Poland. So they couldn't speak Polish. They had to speak Russian. Well, we're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) He cracked down on the freedom of press and weakened his people's political institutions. As a result, Nicholas inherited a restless Russia. Mm-hmm. A few days after his coronation in 1894, nearly 1,400 of his subjects died during a huge stampede. Whoa, what the I heck? know. They had wow. gathered on a large field in Moscow to receive coronation gifts and souvenirs, but the day ended in tragedy. It was a disturbing beginning to Nicholas's reign, and his bungled response earned him the nickname Nicholas the Bloody. Uh-huh. Throughout his reign, Nicholas faced growing discontent from his subjects. He fought a war the people weren't behind. His government massacred nearly 100 unarmed protesters during a peaceful assembly in 1905. And he struggled to maintain a civil relationship with the Duma. That's the representative branch of the Russian government. So he's just pissing people off left and right. And I think it's just because he didn't know any better. He was trying so hard to keep up what his father had started. And yeah, he wasn't necessarily kinda, right. Yeah, it just didn't go well. Yeah, mm. when God, that's crazy. Yeah, fourteen hundred people. But that wasn't his fault. It was I a stampede. It I just know, happened to be saying. on his coronation like, day. That sucks. Got a shitty. It's deal. a bad omen. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is a really bad one. When in September 1915, Nicholas took command of the army at the front lines during World War One. That's always hard for me to say. World War World War One. Alexandra <laughs> sought to influence him toward an authoritarian approach in government affairs even more than she had done during peacetime. His well-known devotion to her injured both his and the dynasty's reputation during World War One. Due to her German origin, Alexandra was a carrier of the gene for hemophilia, inherited from her maternal grandmother, Queen Victoria. Her son, Alexei, was born with hemophilia, but the family kept his disease, which would cause him to bleed to death from a slight cut, a secret. I guess they were afraid that would be viewed as a weakness. Well, yeah, you do not want your enemies knowing that. (laughs) The Empress Alexandra, his wife, became increasingly under the thrall of Grigory Rasputin, 
a mystic whom she believed had saved Alexi's life. Rasputin's growing influence within the family caused suspicion among the public who resented his power. So I didn't put this in here, but I'm just going to tell y'all just a smidge, smidge bit about Rasputin. Okay. So he was a mystic in the 1900s, which was um, a popular time for people to be studying mysticism, like being able to talk to the dead. And Yeah, I recognize um, the name and that maybe that's why. Yeah. Okay. With matters of the afterlife. That's what mystics did. And they used herbs and Mm -hmm. different remedies to heal people. And, you know, the spirits helped them heal people. It was wildly, wildly unpopular for a long time. But there were several famous people who relied on mystics. Mm Mm-hmm. Them being, you know, the Romanovs being one family that did because they believed that he was, that uh, Rasputin was healing Alexei. But the people didn't like that. Their subjects didn't like that. They didn't like somebody else being, being involved with the royal family in the way that he was. He knew too much and they just feel, felt like he was hindering it and he ended up being assassinated. Hmm. So. I, I get it. Yeah, that could be a whole, like, his life could be a whole other episode for another day. (laughs) I was not even going to get into that. All that went through my head was that line from Matilda. He's like, I'm big, you're little, I'm right, (laughs) you're wrong. And there's nothing you (laughs) You can can do do about about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so. a photo. Yeah. Nicholas and Alexandra also have four daughters. The Grand Duchesses, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia. So the daughters were older, and then came Alexi the boy. Tatiana. I know. Isn't that pretty? I love those names. Except for Olga. I Poor know. Olga. Why Poor did baby. she get a pretty one? But if you want to go to the notes. Yeah. There's a picture that says Romanov children, too. Okay. This is them when they were younger. Look how pretty. Wow. Isn't that such a pretty little family? Yes. I mean, were they bred to perfection, or what were they made Apparently. in petri dishes because <laughs> i know and they look so much alike all yeah. of them yeah wow beautiful family then in 1914 russia was drawn into world war 1 but was unprepared for the scale and magnitude of the fighting if you want to go to the notes again and there's a picture that says romanov's world war world war 1 oh my gosh why is that so hard that's what she said. <laughs> so, in the center, you see Tsar Nicholas II. Okay. That's his son next to him. That's Alexei. And the women in the picture are his four daughters. Wow. And then there's some soldiers behind them. Okay. So, that's what they look like during World War One. I. I like it. Yeah. I love the pictures. I, all, like, all the yeah. pictures I found were great. Nicholas's subjects were horrified by the number of casualties the country sustained. Russia had the largest number of deaths in the war, over 1.8 million military deaths and about 1.5 million civilian deaths. Wow. The war eroded whatever semblance of control Nicholas still had over the country. Without men at home to farm, the food system collapsed, the transportation system fell apart, and the people began to riot. Mm-hmm. The February Revolution of 1917 resulted in the abdication of Nicholas II in favor of his brother, Grand Duke Michael Alexandrovich. The latter declined to accept imperial authority. 
and wanted to delegate it to the provisional government pending a future democratic referendum, effectively terminating the Romanov dynasty's rule over Russia. So, yeah, the people said, <laughs> get out of here, Nicholas. Mm-hmm. We don't want you anymore. We want your brother, Michael. Michael, <laughs> Michael said, I don't want any part of this. I'm just going to tell the provisional government to set up a vote, pretty much, terminating the Romanov dynasty's rule. So, no more no more dynasty. After the February Revolution, Nicholas II and his family were placed under house arrest in the Alexander Palace. While several members of the imperial family managed to stay on good terms with the provisional government and were eventually able to leave Russia... Nicholas II and his family were sent into exile in the Siberian town of Tobolsk. 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 Yep. Got it. Nailed it. Okay. Um, By Alexander Kerensky in August 1917. Yeah, that's not a good place to be exiled. Mm -mm. In the October Revolution of 1917, the Bolsheviks ousted the provisional government. Bolshevik revolutionaries led by Vladimir Lenin took over the government. Nicholas tried to convince the British and then the French to give him asylum because, after all, his wife was the granddaughter of Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm. But both countries refused, and the Romanovs found themselves in the hands of the newly formed revolutionary government. Ew. In April 1918, the Romanovs were moved to the Russian town of Yekaterinburg. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. In the Urals, where they were placed in the... Huh. Iptiev, Ipatiev, yeah, Ipatiev house. So, if you want to go to the notes, yeah, I like the way you said it that time. I don't even know Ipa- if it's right, but Ipatiev? I like it. Yeah, there's a picture that says Ipatiev house, and this is where once the Bolsheviks took over, ooh. this is where they were held captive. It's not a ooh, that's a prison. Yeah, I mean, it looks it, really pretty, it, but it's, it's a prison. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said, ooh, I mean, it, it's it, pretty, it looks pretty. You're right. It's a prison. So. Compared to their palace, palaces. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Multiple. <laughs> it's a dump compared to that. True. Um, late on the night of July 16th, Nicholas, Alexandra, their five children, and four servants were ordered to dress quickly and go down to the cellar of the house in which they were being held. If you want to ooh. go to the notes. There is Hmm. a picture that says, hold on, hold on, hold on, Romanov family. Click on that. This is the entire family. This is who had to get dressed along with their servants and go down to the cellar. No. Isn't that such a pretty picture? Yes. I mean, that's probably one of the best family photos I've ever seen. I know. They're such a pretty family. Very photogenic. Okay. I don't like this. Calm down. It's fine. It's not fine. That was such a lie. Still hoping to escape, the women packed up their things and put on clothing into which they had sewn precious jewelry, religious icons, and a large amount of money. The family and servants were arranged in two rows for a photograph they were told was being taken to quell rumors that they had escaped. Suddenly, a dozen armed men burst into the room and gunned down the imperial family in a hail of gunfire. Those who were still breathing when the smoke cleared were stabbed to death. Yakov Yurovsky, who had coordinated and led the killings, was personally recognized by Lenin 
the head of the Bolsheviks for those murders. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit more detail for you. Hmm. Initially, the gunman shot at Nicholas, who immediately fell dead from multiple bullet wounds. Then the dark room filled with smoke and dust from the spray of bullets and the gunman shot blindly, often hitting the ceiling and walls, creating yet more dust. Alexandra was soon shot in the head by military commissar Peter Ermakov and killed. And some of the gunmen themselves became injured because they was just shooting into the dust. Dumbasses. It was not until after the room had been cleared of smoke that the shooters re-entered to find the remaining Imperial family still alive and uninjured. Ha! Maria tried to escape through the doors at the rear of the room, which led to a storage area, but the doors were nailed shut. Oh. The noise as she rattled the doors attracted the attention of Ermakov. Some of the family were shot in the head, but several others, including the young and frail Zarovic, would not die either from multiple close-range bullet wounds or bayonet stabs. Jesus. Finally, each was shot in the head. Even so, two of the girls were still alive ten minutes later and had to be bludgeoned with the butt of a rifle to finally be killed. Oh, my God. So, since we just read all this horrible stuff, uh-huh. go to the notes. I have a picture that says cellar after execution. Holy crap. That's a picture of the room that they were killed in. <gasps> oh. Isn't that awful? Oh, my God. Uh, the bullets was flying. Oh, uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. You can tell where they were shooting to mainly. Wow. Yeah, yeah they destroyed that room. So later it was discovered that the bullets and bayonet stabs had been partially blocked by diamonds that had been sewn into the children's clothing. That's why it was so hard for them to kill the kids. God. Mm. Then it was time to cover up the murders. Mm. Chaos ensued as Yurovsky and his men drove the bodies into the forest, stripped them down, confiscated their jewelry and the jewels that were hidden in their clothing, and buried them. Of course. As they did so, they covered them in acid. Oh, my God. But the grave located in a mine was too shallow, and when the men tried to collapse the mine with grenades, it failed. If you want to go to the notes again and look at the one that says mine shaft, that's where they had tried to to bury them. That was the mine shaft that they tried to collapse, and they couldn't. Oh, my God. So they moved them. They found evidence that that was the first location they tried to bury them in. Wow. That's crazy, right? Snap a picture. <laughs> Cheese. Cheese. Oh. The bodies of the Romanovs were then hidden and moved several times before being buried in an unmarked pit. A few days later, the Bolsheviks announced the Tsar's murder to the world, and the party used the elimination of their biggest enemy to consolidate their political power. Newspapers and party communications played up Nicholas's perceived weaknesses and denounced his monarchy as evil. The official party line was that the Tsar's wife and family were being cared for in an undisclosed location, but rumors started to swirl about what had happened to Alexandra and her children. Mm. Meanwhile, Bolsheviks went on a murder spree, killing every Romanov family member and associate they could get their hands on. 27 others were killed in the next 84 days. Only a few of their remains were ever recovered. The rest were dumped in mass graves or burned beyond recognition. Oh, my God. This is so horrible. I know. Awful, right? Lenin, Yurovsky, and the revolutionaries all say Nicholas and the monarchy he stood for 
made it impossible for the working class to rise. But ironically, the assassinations they orchestrated to murder the monarchy for good had consequences for their cause. News that Nicholas had been assassinated almost completely overshadowed the political victories Lenin and his fellow revolutionaries had achieved and pushed the Russian Revolution off the front page of the newspapers. And ironically, the deaths of Nicholas, Alexandra, and their five children made many Russians yearn for the monarchy. Hmm. So if you want to go to the notes, let's look at one more picture of this beautiful family, the one that says Romanov children. Yes. Well... Oh, look at them in their royal attire. Look at their little hats. Hats and sashes. Oh, my goodness. I love this family. I know. (laughs) It's so sad. Okay. But now we're getting into some mysterious shit, y'all. Okay. In the 1970s, a geologist named Alexander Avdonin. I, I can't with these names. Who had heard rumors about the site of the Romanov's grave his entire life began asking others for information about its location. In 1979, with the help of Yurovsky's son, the guy that murdered them, Mm. uh, he finally found, or the son of the guy that murdered them, rather. Yeah. He finally found the grave near the site of the mansion in Yekaterinburg, Russia, where the family had been imprisoned. They began to exhume bones from the site. Fearing reprisals from the Soviet government, they reburied the bones. But in 1988, after the Soviet Union began to loosen its stance on discussing the Romanovs, Avdanin approached Gorbachev, Gorbachev's, Gorbachev's government and asked for an investigation. After the bodies were exhumed in June 1991, they remained in laboratories until 1998. Wow. Yeah. While there was a debate as to whether they should be reburied in Yekaterinburg or St. Petersburg. A commission eventually chose St. Petersburg. The remains were transferred with full military honor guard and accompanied by members of the Romanov family from Yekaterinburg to St. Petersburg. I love that. In St. Petersburg, the remains of the imperial family were moved by a formal military honor guard and interred in a special chapel in the Peter and Paul Cathedral near the tombs of their ancestors. So, if you want to go to the notes, there is a picture that says Tsar Nicholas II family. Yeah. Uh, family remains. That is where they were buried. Or I love whatever. it. That's where their bones are kept now. I love it. Okay. They finally got something. Yeah, but we're not to the mystery yet. No. Okay. okay. Here we go. Buckle up. I'm trying. <laughs> the crown prince Alexei and one Romanov daughter were not accounted for, fueling the <gasps> persistent legend that Anastasia, the youngest Romanov daughter, had survived the execution of her family. Of the several, quote-unquote, Anastasias that surfaced in Europe in the decade after the Russian Revolution, Anna Anderson, who died in the United States in 1984, was the most convincing. <gasps> In 1994, however, scientists used DNA to prove that Anna Anderson was not the SARS daughter, but a Polish woman named Franziska Shenzowska. See, Polish, damn it, is just as bad, if not worse, than Russian. I got all excited. Ugh. Tell married, me more. I married a Polish man. Yeah, you did. That's why my last name's Gowetsky. Mm. Mm. In 2007, another grave was unearthed about 230 feet from the first. It revealed the brutalized remains of two murdered children. 
Mm. One was a boy in his early teens and the other a girl between the ages of 17 and 24. 44 bone fragments and some teeth were recovered, all badly burnt and shattered. Due to the close proximity to the grave site of the Tsar and his family, tests were performed to see if the skeletons were the two imperial children who had never been found. If you want to go to the notes, there's a picture that says bones. Yeah. And I'm showing you this at the wrong time because this wasn't of the two kids. This is the remains of the mass grave. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I I, I really didn't want to see the two kids anyway. Well, I mean, that's probably still kids. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. But not the little boy. No, it's yeah. not the little boy. I know. No, I'm glad it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Don't, I know, don't I know misinterpret. Yeah. Interpret no, my, this was uh, the older kids. So I think, I mean, they were in their 20s. They were still, they were adults, but they were still the kids. They were still kids. On April 30th of 2008, Russian... Forensic scientists announced that DNA testing proves that the remains belong to Zarevek Alexei and his sister Maria. Okay. DNA information made public in July 2008 that has been obtained from Ekaterinburg and repeatedly subject to independent testing by laboratories such as the University of Massachusetts Medical School um, reveals that the final two missing Romanov remains are indeed authentic and that the entire Romanov family housed in the Apatiev house in Yekaterinburg were executed in the early hours of July 17th, 1918. Mm. In March 2009, results of the DNA testing were published, confirming that the two bodies discovered in 2007 were those of Zarevik Alexei and Maria. But Alexei and Maria's remains are still being held in the Russian state archive, not buried along with the rest of their family. Why not? It's unclear when oh. or even if that burial <laughs> were, will occur, even with the new DNA results. A century after the Romanovs' grisly murder, their story remains as mysterious and politically fraught as it was the day they were killed. Yeah. The Ipatiev house has the same name as the Ipatiev Monastery in Kostroma, where Mikhail Romanov had been offered the Russian crown in 1613. The large memorial church quote-unquote, on the blood, has been built on the spot where the Ipatiev house once stood. So the house I showed you a picture of earlier, it's since been torn down, and there's been a church built over there. Okay. Um, Nicholas II and his family were proclaimed passion bearers by the Russian Orthodox Church in 2000. In Orthodoxy, a passion bearer is a saint who was not killed because of his faith like a martyr, but who died in faith at the hands of murderers. Okay. So they're essentially saints. Mm Mm-hmm. But questions still remain. Mm-hmm. Why were why the two children were buried in a separate grave cannot be explained. And then there's the elusive identity of the sister found with Alexi. Was it Maria or Anastasia? Yeah. Anthropologists don't agree. One thing is certain, though, all the bodies of the Romanov girls are now accounted for, which means that Anastasia didn't survive her family's execution in 1918. Whichever grave was hers, she died on the same terrible night that brought an end to the 304-year-old Romanov dynasty, the end. Wow. I know it was so much, but it was like, damn, I wanted to include everything. (laughs) I know. It's so hard not to. I know. It really is. Thank you. (laughs) 
You're welcome. Well, it does all make sense, like, because I'd be sitting here asking, like, why is all this going on? Why do so many people mm-hmm. hate them? Da, 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 da. So, yeah. Knocked it out. Thank you. Well done. Well done. I appreciate it. All Thanks. of it. Thanks. I really did. Sorry, there was no happy, happy fun time in my story today. Mm. It's fine. I think Amanda's fixing to bring us some happy fun time. Oh yeah, I'm gonna lift it up a lot. <laughs> well, it's it's still some of the same bullshit, but, you know, <laughs> all the scandal and affairs. And we stuff. like scandal and affairs. Yeah, we're all here for it. But it's it's good stuff, and I do have some pictures. We like pictures, and I have some hard words as well. <laughs> and we like hearing you attempt those. And you know how well I do with words. <laughs> so I did I'm... not do any any better today. <laughs> so I'm gonna get a bit of a shot. I'm gonna take a drink, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I seem. A little bit short with these this week. I have to apologize because Fridays are the days that I normally come back and retweak anything at the last minute. I wasn't able to do that today because we were at the doctor's office all fucking afternoon. Her daughter has cooties. Oh, my poor baby. Y'all, I sent her to school this morning because I thought she was faking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she pulled, you know, kids pull that stunt all the time. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel good. She got strep. Poor baby. Yeah. I just sent her to school, too, though. I mean, I, you didn't know. No, I didn't know. Stop beating yourself up. You okay. had no idea. Okay. I'm going to try. <laughs> so, I entitled mine Royal Pains in My Ass because, <laughs> my God, these bitches just, they have nothing better to do than to stir up shit. So, I have four little mini stories for you this week. The first one is about the Queen of Denmark and the Royal Physician. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Poor Caroline Matilda. Let's go ahead and look at a photo of her. Okay. Oh, she has the butt chin. Yeah. I love the butt chin. I want one. Dude, the way that all of these people dress, good lord. Like, even the men. So fancy. So fancy. So extra. I love it. I wish we could afford to insert Iggy Azalea right here. (laughs) (laughs) So, there is Queen Caroline Matilda. Just wanted to see her beautiful face so y'all can see who I'm talking about. As a teenage British princess... She was married off-site and unseen to Christian VII of Denmark, a perfectly nice young man, except for his violent temper and fits of madness. I mean... Oh, except for that. You know, it's no big deal, right? Right. Let's go look at King Christian for a second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's but a wee man. Yeah. Why does the background look like a school yearbook photo... <laughs> From 1994. (laughs) Why does it look like that? They did not evolve. (laughs) All right. They they kept the same ones. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I can think maybe he may have a little bit of like a wee man syndrome. Just because he's... He's wee. He's he's tiny. 
He's weak. I don't know how tall he is, but he just looks like a tiny man. I know. Okay. In spite of Caroline Matilda's warm charm and natural beauty, the royal marriage deteriorated swiftly along with the king's mental state. His bouts of insanity were treated by a German doctor named Johann Strunzi, whose influence stabilized the monarch's erratic behavior. Good job. <laughs> the doctor believed that an improved relationship with his wife would also help the king. Like, come on, dude. Like, be nice to your woman. Marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged Christian to behave more kindly towards the queen. Isolated and unhappy in Denmark and at the mercy of a factional and gossipy court, Caroline Matilda was grateful for the doctor's help and, hmm, just as susceptible as her husband to Strunzi's calm authority. The physician and the queen became lovers. Oh, good grief. Of course they did. And together they worked to enact liberal reforms in the king's name with Strunzi eventually acquiring enough power to issue more than a thousand cabinet orders. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what power this man had. But He's I, just the doctor. He's just the doctor, but I do have a photo of him. Okay. Let's see it. I don't get it. Oh, my goodness. I don't get it. <laughs> he Is must it? have had one hell of a personality. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Why is he wearing a bumpet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I want to know why he's wearing a bumpet. <laughs> oh, get that volume. <laughs> God, neither one of them is good looking. No. Do better, Caroline no. Matilda. Like, I don't get it. She's she's a decent looking woman. She's She's got the fashion. Come on, lady. I don't um, know. I guess these were what she <laughs> was thrown to. I can't. This, this is what she had to work with. Furious at the reforms, a, a conservative cabal plotted to overthrow the the lovers in the king's name. Strunzi was executed, and Caroline Matilda was divorced from her husband and separated from her children. Yeah, why did they, she like, have to be separated from the children? Well, I mean, she had an affair and plotted against all the reforms that her husband did. You know, but she birthed them. I know. But that was part of her punishment, as fucked up as it was. Oy. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, so, But one of them was most likely Strunzi's. So I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I can't imagine the king was too nice to that one. Well, hell no. With but, his volatile temper. Yeah. <laughs> okay, little man, calm down. Thanks to the intervention of her brother, King George III of England, um, she was sent into exile in Germany instead um, of being imprisoned in Denmark. So. What? She what? She was exiled to Germany instead of being put in a prison. Like, he just sent her away and, like, you can't come back instead of. So why not send her home? I don't know. Maybe England. that was. I don't know. Maybe it was part of the plea deal. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Those were his options. Yeah. Do this or this. Okay. So, yeah, she she was in Germany now. In her genteel captivity, she amused herself with a tiny theater, books, and charitable endeavors before dying suddenly of scarlet fever in 1775. She was only 23. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's insane. 23. 
Like, Jesus. Anyways. She was a baby. So that's that one. See, oh real goodness. short and sweet. Yeah. Okay, this one is about Princess Sophia Dorothea of Sillay and the case of the missing count. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and look at Sophia Dorothea. That is quite a name. I know. <laughs> that is quite a photo. Oh, and yeah, she was quite the woman. Yas Queen. Okay. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. I love it. Still, like, really, really love still it. with the yearbook picture background. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen that one in spring <laughs> pictures or something. Yes. <laughs> the only thing that would make it better is if it showed her like sitting on a on white stepladder or stool. <laughs> <laughs> oh we need live photos of those. <laughs> Beautiful and charismatic, Sophia Dorothea, daughter of the Duke of Brunswick Lundberg, was betrothed to her first cousin. Okay. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> yeah, but he's not my cousin. He's my first cousin. <laughs> because you have your cousins. <laughs> and then and the, you the, have your first, first cousins. cousins. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No, honey. That's not That's how it works, right. sweetie. <laughs> That's not how it works, sweetie. <laughs> So, George I of Great Britain, oh yeah, a man so revolting that his own subjects referred to him, I can't even talk, referred to him as pig snout. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you want to see a picture? Absolutely, of I do. Okay. Uh, George I. Wow. I mean, see, he's decked out though. He is. But, uh. I bet that cape is velvety. Oh, yeah. It looks velvety. And very heavy. And very hot. I'm not necessarily p- seeing the pig snout. No, he I does am, have however, a schnoz, though. He, he, he does have one. I do, however, see this ginormous six head of his. <laughs> he's, he, and he's so rich and fancy, he has two bumpets. Yeah. <laughs> he's got two. I mean, I'm loving the, <laughs> my God, his pose. It's like he just went, <sighs> The life of a king is so exhausting. Got his legs spread. I mean, he's Ugh. probably hot. He's like, can we air out the jewels down here? <laughs> Look at... I mean, my God, they wore so many layers. So many layers. I love that time period, but I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. Like, if I could fake it and not have know. to wear all the undergarments. I don't know. Because if you did, your waist would be pretty snatched Ooh, and your that, boobs would be pretty perky. I might could get on board here. That's true. Because everybody would be doing the waist trainers. Yes. Yeah. Corsets. Yeah. I don't know. No. No. I want to be able to breathe. So. Ah. Air schmear. Who needs it? It's overrated. Uh. Pig snout. We ended with the pig snout. Okay. (laughs) But George was potentially heir to two other thrones as well. How? I don't know. He got them connections. Apparently. Mama and daddy been busy. Oh, my. The Duke agreed to the match, gambling on winning a crown for his enchanting daughter. Unfortunately, Sophia Dorothea did not see the value in the arrangement and promptly fainted upon learning of the, matro- of the betrothal in 1682. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> the no, she's like, that shit's nasty. I don't want to marry my cousin. No, holy shit, no. Ew, uh, God, I'd faint too. Ew. I mean, I love my cousins, but no. 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 Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> girl went down and so did their marriage rapidly with frequent loud scenes and violent arguments the last ending with george throttling sophia dorothea until servants intervened and saved her life he was gonna choke a bitch y'all yeah he was beating the crap out of her little wonder that when the dashing and handsome count von Königsmark, nice mm -hmm, arrived from sweden 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 the bored and restless sophia dorothea found him irresistible well look what she's married to it wouldn't take much beating the shit out of her yeah wouldn't take much move over pig snout count's (laughs) coming in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay i have a picture of the wow. cow so you can do a little bit of a comparison again to like you know the husband and the lover oh my mm-hmm. count is the name of wearing the photo? armor yes okay oh yes okay he's got some flair i don't know compared to her husband he kind of looks like a bad boy with the armor on hence the appeal yeah yeah Okay, Sophia, Dorothea, get it, go. Mm-hmm. I see you. Upon first arriving at court, he had dallied briefly with George's mistress, Countess Platin. Platin, Plat, whatever, Platin. It's Platin. That works for me. <laughs> but he soon had eyes only for the princess, embarking upon upon a torrid affair that was as indiscreet as it was passionate. Oh my! Mm-hmm. That means they was. Doing the deed all over the castle. All day, air day, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Together, the lovers plotted to run away and make a new life for themselves far beyond the reach of her unlovely and vindictive husband. To Sophia Dorothea's despair, the very night... Okay, I'm going to call him Cooney. <sighs> I can't... Koenig's Mark. Mock. Mark. Whatever. Cooney. Cooney. He's Cooney now. Was supposed to carry her off... He failed to keep the assignment disappearing from court entirely. Like, they were supposed to run away together, and he never showed. <laughs> he ghosted her! <laughs> yeah, he fucking ghosted her. Y'all. Royal ghosting. It's not okay. Grow up and just say, hey, it's not going to work out. Okay. Right? Okay? Okay. It's too much for me. Courtiers whispered that Countess Platten allegedly took her revenge by having the Count attacked before he could elope with the princess. But she was never charged, and no evidence was ever produced. So his wifey. Least of all a corpse. That was the king's mistress. Mm-hmm. So he had a mistress. The king had a mistress. The queen had Cooney. Mm-hmm. But the mistress supposedly plotted to have her husband's wife's lover killed. So why I'm- she decided to meddle in their relationship, I don't fucking know. She was, she was jealous. Banging the king. Well, because she was jealous. She wanted all the men's. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They never even found a body. Like never found anything. But there were new floorboards hastily laid in the gallery outside of Sophia Dorothea's bedchamber. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And no one ever saw Cooney again. Interesting. Uh-huh. Enraged by the scandal, George divorced Sophia Dorothea, separated her from her children, and had her imprisoned in a tiny castle on a lake. Okay. Two things. Yep. First, what in the actual fuck? I don't know. Why they gotta take their kids away? I know. I, I, I. He was doing the same thing. I know. That's what I'm saying. 
hypocrites. Why does she have to be punished? Mm -hmm. And then my other thing, Mm -hmm. can I have a tiny castle on a lake, please? Sure. But I don't think you want to be imprisoned in it. I mean, if I'm imprisoned, I can't go to work. Hmm. (laughs) Does DoorDash deliver way out there? I mean, we'll get a castle that's in their range. That's the million dollar question. Yeah. Can we get DoorDash? Can we get shipped to deliver my target? Oh, that's important. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to look into that. Okay. We'll investigate. Necessities. He went on to become King George I of England, leaving his scorned wife behind. Hmm. Asshole. Yep. Okay. This one I picked because of the title. It's super short and really, it's it's not like as juicy as the other ones. But here we go. Princess Charlotte of Prussia's burn book. Yes. <laughs> the original. The OG burn the book. The burn book. Okay. Let's go ahead and look at Princess Charlotte. Okay. She's beautiful as well. Look at the choker. Mm-hmm. Yes, queen. Mm-hmm. And those gloves coming all the way up. Ooh. Yeah. Fabulous. Yes. I'm all about this choker, though. Yeah. Do they have it in black? Probably. That's what I need. I'm sure Amazon has something. Mm, I love Amazon. Oh, so bad. <laughs> All right. Kaiser Wilhelm was problematic from birth. Militant, boombastic, and rude. This Mr. Boombastic. I mean... <laughs> I didn't know how far I was going to get into that sentence without it coming out. <laughs> I figured it would pop up eventually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. That's one of those words that you just can't. You just can't. Okay. Yeah, they had it in the article and I kept it. <laughs> I liked it. Um, this eldest grandson of Queen Victoria eventually plunged Europe into World War One. <laughs> <laughs> We're overlapping. We are definitely overlapping. Simply because he likes playing military games. That's why. So... So he likes Call of Duty. (laughs) Paying off. (laughs) All those hours. I told you I'd use those skills, Dad. (laughs) Unfortunately, his younger sister wasn't much better. Wayward, willful, and frequently malicious, Charlie was always being told to behave in her letters from her grandmother. But that that didn't work. Like, Grandmama was like, hey... Stop. Calm your shit. Mm -hmm. She said no. And she said, you can't tell me what to do. And stomped (laughs) off to her room. Slammed the door. Yes. Flopped down on the bed. (laughs) After turning on some hellacious, dramatic indie music. (laughs) See, at my house, it was either like screaming rock or screaming rap. Whichever one I thought would piss Mm -hmm. my mom off the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. my mood. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> we all did it. We all did it. You know you did. Mm-hmm. And now as parents, we get to aggravate them in return. <laughs> Y'all. It's kind okay. of fun sometimes. Sad note. Okay. Ashton's three, right? Mm-hmm. The other day, I said some... I don't even know what I said to piss him off so bad. But he's very dramatic when he gets in trouble. It's very... It's very theatrical. He could be an actor. Yeah. But it's very theatrical. <laughs> and... 
He, I said something very simple. He couldn't have something. I'm sure he asked for something. And I said, no, he got very exasperated with me and stomped like legit stomping Ooh. all the way down the hallway to his bedroom and slammed the door. And then he opened it up because I didn't react. He opened his door and slammed it again. Okay, sir. <laughs> and Steven said, that's your kid. Hmm. And then I called my mom and told her. <laughs> your grandson. And That's she's going, and she's going, oh, really? Hmm. She just laughed. Mm-hmm. She There was zero mm-hmm. comments, just laughter. That's what my mom does when I call mm-hmm. and complain to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I know. I'm getting my payback. Mm-hmm. Well aware of it. So, um, so what little Miss Charlie was up to. We don't know, but there's a good reason to believe that she may have been at the center of an outrageous scandal in the heart of her brother's court. Mm-hmm. The German Imperial Court was lavish and snobby and given to extravagant de- debauchery. Of course. Mm-hmm. I love the word debauchery. I know. I cut that in too. <laughs> <laughs> in the last decade of the 19th century, courtiers were terrorized for four years by accusatory notes detailing their misdeeds. Mm-hmm. She's like A off Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Some complete with pornographic sketches. <gasps> oh, uh-huh. you scandalous thing, Princess Charlie. Uh-huh. Duels were fought, lies were lost, and reputations were shredded as a result of the letters that spilled all of the juicy details. <laughs> everything from mate swapping to full orgies. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of debauchery going on. <laughs> One male court official, Kroza, yeah, that's a name, mm-hmm, was arrested for sending the letters, but released when authorities determined that they were the work of a woman. Suspicion immediately fell upon Princess Charlie. Some believed she had written the notes. Others said um, that her diary had been stolen and fallen into the wrong hands. Whatever. Either way, <laughs> it was, there was a burn book. Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by Princess Charlotte. <laughs> there were even those who suggested that Charlie had hosted an evening of corruption with the purpose of deliberately gathering blackmail material. I love it. I'm sure it's boring sometimes Gonna being a princess a in World party. War One. <laughs> Don't mind the cameras. They're just here for security. <laughs> In any event, the Croza affair remained a murky blot upon her reputation. The whispers following her until her death shortly after the First World War. So there goes that. Bye-bye, Princess Charlie. She was fabulous. I know. <laughs> I want to be friends with her. Dude. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I'd party with Charlie. I kind of rhymed. It was cute. (laughs) Okay. This one. uh, I had had to practice this pronunciation. I don't know why I cannot get this one. It seems so easy. The Tour de Nelle Affair. (laughs) It looks like like Nestle, but it's Nelle. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just remembered... (laughs) That episode of Friends when Phoebe wants to make chocolate chip cookies. She wants her grandmother's recipe. You know, Nestle Toulouse. <laughs> Nestle Toll House. 
<laughs> and All that's right. why you're burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> the tour de Nestle Toll House Affair. Nestle Toll House. There was a photo attached to this, but I'm not exactly sure who is in the photo. But I have one. All right. Okay. Um. Yeah. What in the fuck kind of hat is that woman wearing? What is that? I don't. You know which hat I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. The one with the two. (laughs) With the horns? (laughs) I mean, that was really popular. Why, though? Why? I don't know. It's not cute. I don't get. She needs to go talk to Princess Sophia Dorothea or Queen Caroline and get some. Get you some flowers up Mm, there. Girl, do something. Mm -mm. Nope. I like this one. I'm ready. It's my last one. Tell me all the things. In 1314, King Philip IV of France was feeling rather good about his dynasty. His daughter Isabel was Queen of England, and his three sons were neatly married into a trio of noble women who related to one another and ready to produce the next generation of French princes. That sounds too close to a happily ever after. Something's going to go down. Oh, you better believe it, or I wouldn't be telling you about it. (laughs) Queen Isabel, eager to welcome her sisters-in-law to the family, made them each a present of distinctive and costly embroidered purses. To Isabel's surprise during the next family reunion, she spotted the purses hanging from the belts of a pair of brothers, knights Mm -hmm. at her father's court at a time when the prowesses at arms made rock stars out of men who knew how to handle a lance. Well, all right. I don't know. That's a bunch of words, but I kept it in there because it sounded fancy. You know what a lance is. I know what a lance is, but I mean, it just, it's just a lot of words to say they, they were good at They were rock jousting. stars. They were rock stars. Of the jousting world. Yeah. Celebrities. Mm-hmm. So wise to what this royal regifting meant, Isabel hurried off to tell her father. Mm-hmm. And the king promptly sent spies to watch his daughter-in-law's. Within weeks, the trio of princesses were caught with their lovers in a deceit of old Parisian fortress called the Tour de Nelay. Nestle <laughs> <laughs> The lovers were tortured in ways that would make any character on Game of Thrones shudder, and they were finally executed. Well, that's what they get for sleeping around, I mean, bitches. No, that's the lovers. That's the they men. knew that the them. I, they yeah, knew they that them princesses they knew. were married. They, they knew. knew. Keep it in your pants, bro. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard, right? Jesus, the <sighs> princesses were imprisoned underground in dank, filthy dungeons with their heads shaved, and they got their kids taken away too. Of course, mm-hmm. the king himself died shortly afterwards. Within a generation, King Philip dynasty was destroyed, and the French throne passed to a distant cousin. The disagreement over who ought to inherit the crown sparked the Hundred Years' War between England and France. See, it's all over a bunch of bullshit. Always. All the wars are all over a bunch of... I can't say it. The P word. And penis. (laughs) All of it. All of it. It's the P word and penis. (laughs) The two P words. The two P words. (laughs) <laughs> You're so pretty. Shut up. P word. <laughs> Stop it. You're being made to me. <laughs> Raise your hand now. if you've ever been personally victimized by Brittany Goetzky. 
what your hands doing? <laughs> I got arms, feet, toes. <laughs> Stop it. No, I'm just kidding. She's really nice. And I don't she... know why my face looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like one sentence left. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Proceed. Another P word. <laughs> Jesus. I can't. Okay, I'm done. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't. Okay. <laughs> okay, so it started the war, plunging much of Western Europe into armed conflict that would last for the better part of a century. You know, 100 year war. Hello. That's not really that hard to figure out. <laughs> and all because of a trio of misbehaving princesses. Sluts. Sluts. No, no ma'am. They were promiscuous. <laughs> P word. Promiscuous girl. No, no. Okay. In a delicious twist, it said that the wreckage of King Philip's dynasty is due to a curse laid upon him by Jacques de Molay. The Grandmaster of the Templars burned to death on bogus charges of heresy and witchcraft on the king's orders earlier in 1314. Hmm. 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 <laughs> the end. That was fabulous. I just, I could, there, mm. I'm sorry. My most favorite thing of the whole entire day was Princess Charlotte's burn book. I know. Me too. <laughs> I love Princess Charlotte. I really feel like we could be besties. Yeah. We would definitely have a good weekend. Yes. With Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I can totally see it going there, too. Shit. <laughs> so there you go. That was episode 15. If you liked what you heard, and if you like what you've been hearing, go get Apple. Go to Apple and give it. God damn it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apple. <laughs> Apple. Go to Apple. <laughs> Go to Apple and give us a review. <laughs> and if you do give us a review, you get a sweet little prize. It's an Oddities and Curiosity sticker. It's we our first all merch. Love stickers. They're not do scratch it. and sniff. I have oh, been asked that. that. <laughs> what is wrong with us? What would we do for the smell? Wine. Wine? Or food. Ooh, food. And we've Make had a lot of Make it smell like food. buttery croissants. Ooh. <laughs> From Louders. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. All right. Our next. <laughs> New merch coming soon. <laughs> buttery croissant stickers. <laughs> it will be a thing. Okay. So you won't be getting a buttery croissant sticker, but you will be getting our first official. A first. But you will be getting our first official merch for free for free yeah like no shipping none of that just, just let us it. know that you did it and give us your address yeah you know and then you we can, gotta have contact the and then you get your sticker yeah so easy yeah. peasy lemon squeezy do that we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter and we have email our email is oddities and curiosities pod at gmail.com if you want to send us a little message letting us know that you did it you We're should. okay with that. We like messages. Mm -hmm. Tell or us if you want to say hi. Yeah. Tell us hello. Um, give us some hump day treat suggestions. Mm -hmm. If you know of any um, 
restaurant, local restaurants or, um, you know, bakeries or liquor stores Anything. or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, we just kind of want to support local businesses. So any kind of local business. Yeah. So we're going to make the rounds until yeah. we run out and so, then we're going to do it again. So help us out. <laughs> If you have any topic suggestions, mm-hmm. any stories, any anecdotes, any cases, anything, personal we're stories, into, we're getting into spooky season. Yes. So if you have any personal ghost stories you want to share, ooh yeah, go ahead and start sending us that. those. Send send them now. If so we, we can... get enough, mm-hmm. we'll do a bonus episode <gasps> at Halloween. Ooh, I keep my promises too. So send in your ghost stories. Yes, she does. Um, what else? What else we got? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. So. Shoutouts. Um, yeah. Thank yous to uh, Amanda and Craig and Steven for art and music and editing. Thank you to all of you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you to all the new people giving us a chance. We are super excited about how this is beginning to grow and all the support that we're getting from everybody. It's super exciting. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, that's it. That's it. All right. Till next time. Yeah. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>